Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast with WHIO meteorologist McCall Rydags and Kirsty Zontini. Remember, you can listen to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast anytime you want on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and WHIO.com. Hey, McCall. Hey, Kirsty. Happy holidays. I know. I can't believe it. We are, as we're recording this, about a week away from Christmas. We've already had two accumulating snowfalls of winter. <laughs> Yeah, I, can't I, I mean, it, yeah, and it's, for me, a good amount of snow. It wasn't too much. It's, right. uh, you know, just enough to make it look festive, whereas yes. my parents live in New York right now and are getting buried in snow, so. I saw a New York snow total that was um, 44 inches. Somewhere I don't in the state. I don't know where, but that was insane. Maybe I should call them. I don't know. Maybe they are under 44 inches. I was going to say, we may want to double check that because uh, that would be crazy for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's nothing. Then even for Dayton, I just saw um, the National Weather Service in Wilmington. We are slightly above normal now for our snowfall for where we are in December. So people want winter and these are, like you said, they're, uh, they're snows that can be handled. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's not, it wasn't too much. It caused some problems, unfortunately, but I think we're going to have that no matter what we do in terms of right. winter weather. Um, so at least it does look pretty for now. And it, it does. does, you know, we're a week away from Christmas. Looks like we've got another storm on the way next week. So we'll have to see what type of precipitation we can get from that one. Um, but, you know, hey, I'll, I'll take a little bit of winter in December. Yeah. And we knew that this season was going to be an active one. It was really just a matter of is it going to be rain or is it going to be snow? So far, the past two storms, actually, no, we've had a few storm systems. Yeah. Um, and they have gone back and forth. We've had snow and then we've had some good amount of rain as well. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be a fun winter for us for sure, uh, no matter what. And that, of course, gets us right into what our topic is going to be today and our guest who, you know, this is uh, definitely a company that everybody knows about, Dayton Power and Light. And we have a very important lady with us here from Dayton Power and Light, uh, Marianne Cable. She is the Director of Corporate Communications for them. Marianne is uh, full of knowledge for us when it comes to Dayton Power and Light because, you know, Obviously, electricity, we think of the power going out in the summer with thunderstorms, but we oftentimes can forget that heavy snows and freezing rain events, which we have seen in the Miami Valley, unfortunately, can really wreak havoc as well on our utilities. So, Marianne, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, let's get right in. A little bit of... Um, I guess background on yourself, Marianne, for people that maybe might not know, uh, we don't always have listeners here in the Miami Valley. Sometimes people are listening from out of the state. So talk a little bit about Dayton Power and Light uh, for us real briefly. Oh, I would be happy to. So as many people know, Dayton Power and Light, you know, we've been around for over a hundred years. So, you know, we're more than just your local utility. Of course, we're delivering power to your home every day so that you can um, live, work, and play in the communities that we love, um, but we're um, an active utility in the community. Everything from what we do for the arts and culture to things for health and human services, workforce development. So, you know, we're not just your utility, we're your neighbor. Many of your friends work for the company, and we're very proud of what we do for our community. Yeah, that, I mean, you, you guys really are all over the community. How many employees do you have, actually, in terms of, like, people that are out in the field that are maybe making those repairs? Like, what, what is an estimation of your crew number? 
roughly we have close to 800 people and that includes people out in the field everything from you know our line crews that are out there doing maintenance because they're there out there year round as well as helping us during outages or other type of events then we have other field crews you know our meter readers that are out there and other people that work in the field but you know one thing i want to uh, stress all the time is um safety mm -hmm. and safety is also about you know protecting our customers so anytime you see our employees that are out in the field they always have the proper credentials and you know I know this is a little bit outside of the weather in terms of our conversation today but you know with the holidays and kind of a different way of working these days and just living in general with most people being at home in light of the um, we can't help but be extra cautious of who may knock at the door and some of the things that you may be getting over email or a phone call. So scams are so prevalent. Yeah. That happens in the utility space too. It's a, it's a national problem, you know, problem. And that being said, please, please, if you suspect that you might be receiving a call from a scammer or you've had a knock at the door, make sure they have the proper credentials. If you receive a phone call, we're not going to threaten to turn off your power in 30 minutes. We're not going to ask you for your personal information. So um, there's two ways. Call the police, call DPNL, say report a scam that you think this is suspicious. Another thing you can do too is enroll online at mydpnl.com. So if they're saying that you're behind in your bill, you can check for yourself as well too. So that's an added precaution in addition to potentially reaching out to us. So yeah time of year especially that's so prevalent no I that's definitely something good to touch on and also too you kind of mentioned this this time of year and really this year in general you know we are in a pandemic McCall and I have had to switch how we do our job every day from being in the studio to socially distancing and working at home um, what have you guys had to do any extra precautions extra sort of gear that you wear um, you know, what have you and your crew had to change up now um, to, you know, meet the CDC guidelines and make sure you're staying safe for your, your fellow coworkers and also your customers? You know, that's a great question. So, you know, we all have learned a lot uh, during the pandemic, uh, a different way to work, a different way to adjust our lifestyles. And that is very prevalent in the utility as well. So, with the stay-at-home order that took place back in um, March, we actually moved all our office workers to their homes. The call center, they operate from their homes. So um, that actually has been so um, well-received by our employees as well as our customers um, too, to know that there's no disruption in service for our customers and for our employees too, can have that work-life balance since they have had to make so many adjustments. So let's talk about the field personnel. So we do not have people in the building. And, you know, we want to contain the spread and exercise all those precautions just like everyone else. Therefore, of course, we're going, um, wearing our masks, mm -hmm. six feet apart, and that includes our crews. So our crews are not going to one location to get their safety briefing, potentially at our service building. They are getting those virtual. They're in their trucks by themselves. Okay. Um, yes, they are working um, together, exercising that distance and employing all those things that we have heard from the CDC to keep that spread down and their own personal safety. That's wonderful. I think it's really um, interesting and impressive. If anybody has seen your call center, 
It is so neat. So the fact that you guys are able to, I mean, it's like a huge brain basically. Um, it's a big grid and, and you know, you have so many employees in there. So the fact that you're able to transition that to being, uh, you know, from home, socially distant, that is just really uh, hats off because that, uh, that's an impressive operation in and of itself for the people that yes. are in-house doing work to be able to make that <laughs> transition from, uh, you've seen the, the call center, it's like a big, I told her it's like, it's like a spaceship almost and they're like, the, <laughs> you know, the, the captains of the ship. So that's yeah. It reminds me of of NASA, you know. (laughs) It does with that big grid that you see all the connectors. Well, there are two parts. So the one portion of it that enables people to work from home and take those calls have since transitioned to that. But there's some equipment that's deemed um, essential that's not that portable or has that flexibility. So the way that our system operations people are working are social distance with masks shifted in different parts of the building. So collectively, what we would normally have staffed is not in one location, that they have the separation that's needed. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we've all figured out how to do things. Um, Kirsty and I had to figure out how to do radio from home. Yeah. And I know even the radio people had to bring a lot of the equipment home so they could successfully do their jobs. So I just think it's amazing how everybody in every facet of their job has figured out how to continue to do their job through this pandemic. Um, let's go back. Be- go ahead. Go ahead, Mary. I was going to say what's interesting with all that as people transition to home, mm-hmm. learning mm-hmm. that we're all receiving, it even takes the level of electricity and having power to, a, I don't want to say another level, but it does because yeah. school-agers at home, you're competing for bandwidth on Wi-Fi, you're using your appliances more often. Um, obviously the lights are coming on more often with the shorter days mm-hmm. cooking at home because people are not going out as much to eat. So the essence of being essential has, you know, grown exponentially, even we were already at that high mark, so to speak. So do you feel like an increased pressure or do, you know, the workers feel pressure to get those lights on quicker when they go out because they know how important it is? Not that it wasn't before, but it, you know, right. it's accelerated. Well, I feel very proud to share that with regard to outages and maintenance and reliability of our system, you know, ours is is impeccable in terms of our record. Now, some things we can't control, primarily the same kind of work that you do, and that's Mother Nature. So, (laughs) unfortunately with that, um, that sometimes takes a while, but that is dependent on the nature of the storm to the extent of what repairs need to make um, to need to be made in terms of restoration. Sometimes it could be switched locally um, with our technicians. Other times our field personnel actually have to go out there and make the repairs. And that's some of the things that we probably will discuss today. You know, let me give you an example. Perhaps, you know, let's, let's take the weather we're gonna experience um, in these coming months with the winter season. First of all, Drivers need to take extra caution. I know people's minds are other places. They're trying to get somewhere. They're trying to make their errands quick. Um, but you can't be any more. You've got to be extra cautious with just the slightest little bit of ice on the road. Mm-hmm. That being said, twofold. Number one, accidents do happen. And, you know, we hear of many things where, you know, car hits pole. Um, we also see our field crews out there. So 
I want, I can't stress enough that people need to take extra caution and be extra vigilant at night. They put up all their lights. They have cones to designate the area that they're working in. But please, please, as people are driving on the road, especially during the holidays, be extra careful and just extra careful in weather. So going back to like if an accident does happen and and we do hear something about a, a pole being hit, well, all poles are not created equal. So one pole can address a whole neighborhood and feed the electricity there while another one does not. So that can make some differences when we see an accident happen in terms of outages. The other thing too, if, if the outage, excuse me, the accident is a little bit more damaging than that where it actually takes out the pole or the pole needs to be replaced, that repair time is something to be considered. And that, that sometimes takes up to three hours. Now, our teams do a great job of redirecting the electricity through another path to get to everyone's home, but that just gives you an idea of kind of the time it takes. Those poles are not small. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. And you kind of touched a little bit on that transition over, obviously, to winter weather. I think a lot also, uh, you know, drivers in general, whether it is preventing yourself from sliding off into a crew, uh, but, you know, it's not only Dayton Power and Light crews, but ODOT, when they're out doing their job as well. I mean, this is the time of year now. We are darker longer, and so it's even harder to spot and sometimes it's even harder to uh, keep your vehicle in control. Um, so that's definitely a good point. McCall and I had kind of talked about this and, and Marianne, I'm sure you are very familiar, um, but ice in the Miami Valley in terms of ice storms is something that mm-hmm. we unfortunately have to deal with. Uh, for McCall and I, November 2018 was one of the more recent major ice events that we did have. Um, so just talking with you about When we're preparing for an ice storm, what is, I mean, I know what McCall and I are doing, uh, but one of the biggest questions we get, are we going to have power outages is typically what people will ask us when we have like an ice storm warning or something like that. Um, So if we are preparing for an ice storm, what are you guys doing to prepare for that ice storm? Because power outages are a big uh, threat. Right. Ice is the number, the toughest um, set of weather events for the utility, absent like tornadoes. And we've all been too. So let's talk about winter. You know, especially when ice is um, in excess of a half to three quarters of an inch accumulation, and then, you know, the weather and the temperature, there's times when you get ice, and then within a couple hours, it's already dissolved because we can go from below zero to up in the 30s in a matter of a couple of hours. But that accumulation of like half an inch to a quarter, um, three quarters of an inch is problematic. So that's when we be, have to be extra cautious. So as you know, and I've told you many times, you know, we're always watching the weather or modern, uh, excuse me, monitoring the weather just like yourself. So in advance of any kind of weather event or storm, you know, we're making sure that we have the proper staffing, that we're sending out our messages through social media, we're complimenting your newscast with some other quick tips that people need to know. But in the winter season, I I can't stress enough, really this is year round. People need to do three things. They need to build a storm kit. So what does that mean? Get a kit. So you need to put together an emergency kit with those essential supplies to help you get through that outage. And some of these outages potentially could be multiple days, especially when you talk about ice. Because ice, when it's that heavy and that thick on, you know, branches of trees and they fall on power lines, 
they can be damaging. There's no doubt about it. The next thing is make a plan. You know, you can have a kit, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do if it's multiple days or multiple hours and, you know, it's cold and it's, it's below zero this time. So you have to make a plan, whether it's going to um, a neighbor's house, whether it's something where you have to make accommodations somewhere else, whether it's to make sure that you're adequately stocked with firewood, if you have a fireplace, um, if you have a generator, if, if you can put that into use, you just have to make a plan. Um, and... I want to add to that plan if you are on any type of medicine or anything like that to make sure that you take the proper care for it. So if it's something that needs to be refrigerated, that you have a cooler, you put it in there and ice it down um, for your own personal safety. And, and lastly, and not least by any stretch of the imagination, is be informed. And being informed is tuning into WHIO. It's also making sure that you uh, check the outage center to make sure that you know the tips, or if you're experiencing an outage, you can see how it's the ETR, which is the estimated time of restoration, if there's one available, depending on the extent of the damage through the service territory, which is, you know, we cover 24 counties in the Miami Valley, and that's quite a bit. Um, and then the other thing too, is if you haven't reported it, you know, we don't know if you have an outage, so you can do it online, and you can also call in. So um, those are all great tips for the homeowner. And, you know, those are the same things that Kirsty and I tell people all the time as far as having that, that kit, whether it's winter or severe weather season, you, you have to have it to grab and go. And the medication, I think, is something that people always forget about. You know, make sure um, you know what it is, write down what it is, what the prescription is, if you can't have an extra stash with you. Right. Um, but as far as DPNL is concerned, what are some types of things that you – all do to prepare for these storm systems. So if Kirstie and I are forecasting ice, um, how are you guys staffing before that storm hits? Well, we're making those accommodations based on what the forecast is in terms of how much it will stretch across our service territory and what mixes of weather types there will be. So most importantly is the people. Number two is the supplies that you're to have on your truck and those vehicles to make sure that they're fully equipped with everything we need, whether it's replacing lines and poles and transformers and so on, um, that is what we do. For extra equipment, um, obviously like if we have an ice, which we have actually, the one in 2018, we had accumulations of a half inch. So mm -hmm. if there is ice on poles and the power lines, um, is there extra equipment for the staff that actually have to climb up and do those repairs? Because I mean, I would assume things are slick or like, is there a time frame that they have to kind of wait? Because it's got to be safe for them. They're climbing these high power poles. I always think about that. Like, it, it, I remember I did a story with you guys a couple of years yes. ago. Um, and I did, I got to talk to a couple of pole workers and it's a dangerous job when it's not uh, winter weather and there's ice on the ground and ice on the poles and ice on the power lines. So, um, you know, do they have extra equipment? Do they, are they like spotting each other to make sure that, you know, there's extra hands on deck if anything were to happen? Our line crews go through a rigorous training and they're equipped to deal with all kinds of weather, weather that we don't want to be out in, whether it's ice and snow, wind, um, some of that piercing temperature where it's below freezing. So I remember when you came over and you were in the glove room, do you remember all those tests that we do? Um, so whether it's 90 degrees or, you know, 10 below, 
they put all that safety gear on. And yes, you know, they are spotting each other because <laughs> safety is number one and that's so important. So before they go out on any job, they're doing a safety briefing to make sure that they have accounted for everything they need for that event. So in between storm systems, because obviously we're not getting pounded with ice and severe weather every day, right. what's happening in the day-to-day? -day? Is there things such as tree trimming in areas that might uh, potentially be problems for you know, outages down the line? What are some things that are happening every day? You know, that's a great question too. So there's maintenance. <laughs> there's maintenance. We have 6,000 miles in our service territory. So there's routine maintenance that our crews are responsible for throughout the year. So if they're not out there with outages and you know, there's a multitude of work in terms of maintenance, there's also construction going on as we replace aging infrastructure, mm -hmm. so build is out there too. And you might've covered us too when, especially just recently, and if not, I'm gonna go ahead and put a plug in there. We're yeah. taking a um, new transformer up to the bath substation once again to you know strengthen or as we call it harden the system um, for that resilience and that reliability um, tree trimming is is another very very important thing that we do so oh boy uh, we have i don't have the miles i'm going to say it's i'm not going to quote it just yet we have like a more than 120 some thousand miles of poles and wires wow. and Along those lines, we have to give, you know, a right away, if you want to call it, so that when those storms comes through, you know, and we do get alarmed once the, the miles on the, the wind increases past or the wind gusts go beyond 40 miles an hour, that's a higher probability of those branches to fall. Mm -hmm. so making sure those lines are trimmed, those trees are trimmed, is key to reduce the number of outages. And you know, when you talk about ice, just the ver reverse happens in the summer months because they're all laden with foliage. So there's some weight to that as well. So tree trimming also is year round. Speaking about trees and DPNL, um, I know we're talking a lot about winter right now, but it just popped into my head. What were the impacts or the feelings and everything that y'all went through after the Memorial Day tornado outbreaks? I know we had tens of thousands of people without power. How do you attack that? What was the plan? And how are these structures uh, have been rebuilt to you know, withstand perhaps future events like that? You know, that was one of those once in a lifetime events um, to that magnitude. I still remember that night having, um, and I'm sure this is in your guys' memories as well, because the day was you know, one of those blue sky days and that storm manifested itself um, in the late evening and accelerated, you know, beyond imagination. So what we call a storm team and we are regularly, regularly trained and equipped to handle storms of magnitude. Um, we haven't had to deal with things as large as the Memorial Day tornadoes in a long time. Prior to that was the Duratio and Hurricane Ike, but this was a whole different type of storm. None of our are alike anyways. To have, you know, it cut, you know, a 19 mile path, mile wide, and just taking things out in such a short period of time. So we, there is a, uh, a group of people 
um, that makes up that storm team and uh, a group that, you know, it's almost like a traffic cop. There's communications, there's operations, there's field personnel, and we're all working in tandem to, to assess the situation, to restore power where we can, and then start working. And it was that one in particular, um, for some it was like 10 days and we did have displaced people, but we made those accommodations. So um, it's all about preparing. It's all about working as a team. It's all about training. It's all about planning and contingency planning over and over again, because no event is the same. It's not just on the weather, it's on the technology and the extent of the damage. I can imagine a lot of lessons learned, uh, I'm sure, because like you said, nothing is alike, but when it comes to those three big events, that, those would have been the three I would have thought of in my mind for Dayton Power and Light, Ike, and the derecho, and then of course the Memorial Day tornadoes. I am wondering, because I know that you, got, Dayton, you guys have sent your crews um, when there's major hurricanes to help, um, you know, replace the power grid maybe in another part of the state. Have we had an event that we actually got assistance from other um, utility companies to come in? Was Memorial Day, did we actually have other companies that came and help us or have we yet yes. to experience that? <laughs> I know we that have. we did. <laughs> yes, we have. That was, that, was a, that was a major event. Yeah. I, I want to touch on something else in terms of the Memorial Day tornadoes too. Not only is it power restoration, it's taking care of our people. So we have people on our staff that work with our strategic accounts because they were impacted potentially as well. Um, we have uh, people working with our emergency management um, personnel in the different counties to assess damage and get messages out there. Um, we also um, work with the community for people that do not have power. We set up ice stations. Mm -hmm. Setting up ice stations, we put uh, charging stations together and the community effort, specifically for the tornadoes, uh, was just, it, it made us so proud yeah. to be a part of this. We really came together um, because not only did we set up the ice stations, the next thing you knew, people were bringing water, people were bringing food. Um, churches and communities were setting up grills and feeding people. It was it was something I've never seen to that extent. And it was a trying year. I mean, I don't want to go into all the other things that happened right. that year, but um, just seems like that was kind of the catalyst where, you know, we really came together and, you know, really built Dayton strong, if you will. And so, I mean, circling back, like you said, everybody went through something, but as far as like calling in for extra help, is there a threshold? Yeah. You know, I feel like you guys have a, list of things and tasks, um, but is there a point where you just say, obviously Memorial Day Tornado, you're asking for help, but is there like a, a certain number of outages that causes you to ask for more people? Um, let's talk about it in twofold. So um, Kirstie yeah, asked for, um, you know, when we go out and help others. So that's called our mutual aid network. And we belong to two. We belong to the Great Lakes Mutual Aid Network and the Southeastern Exchange. So point where we have, um, and the threshold differs because I can't give you a pinpoint on that because it depends on the extent of the damage. Okay. So, you know, and that's when they call for help. And being a part of that network, we go in there and it's like the Calvary, you know, <laughs> ourselves as well as other utilities that are members of there, 
that organization and especially, you know, hurricane season, you know, we see a lot of that. And then we are given um, directions as to where to stage, um, briefed on what area that needs the restoration. We're there at the time and we're there till the job is done that we've been assigned. So um, hurricanes were one we sent um, crews down earlier this year. Uh, a couple years ago, I think it was in 2018 too, we had the nor'easter. And that was a combination of like four storms altogether. <laughs> that was not good either. So when um, we dial in on calls, when those type of events happen, and that's initiated by those organizations. And depending on the extent and the nature of the weather, um, we'll be called in for help. Vice versa, um, in our situation, once again, we rely on that network too. So we call into that network, and in the case of the tornadoes, we needed assistance. Mm -hmm. As we had assistance from seven states in addition to helicopters because we had helicopters that were placing the transmission towers that were brought down. Once again, we did video on that too with you guys um, in Beaver Creek Township. Mm -hmm. And that, to see that in person, those are huge. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, I think it goes without saying that um, you all did a lot of hard work and long hours to get the power back on for all of us. and. Mm -hmm. um, I know you probably heard a lot of thank yous, but thank you from uh, me and I'm sure Kirsty as well for all of that hard work. Yeah, I mean, it's such a try. It takes time. a team and you guys know that too. It's, it's not one individual, it's really a coordinated team that's working together for a common goal. Well, I know we appreciate you and so does uh, the community as well and all of the counties that you do cover uh, because you know, one of the first things when the power goes out, everybody, no matter who you are, no matter where you live, is when's it coming back on? So mm -hmm. uh, all of your workers, it is really, really amazing um, how much hard work you do and what you do in the community as well. Um, as we wrap this up, is there anything, bringing it right back to winter, um, anything else that you would like to, I guess, leave our listeners with as we are heading closer to Christmas and we are, uh, winter technically begins on December 21st with the solstice, so we're getting right back into the heart of the season. Anything that you want to um, leave our listeners with? Well, number one is safety. You know, be prepared. You know, bookmark our website and where to report an outage in your phone. Make it easier for yourself in that fashion. That's the most important thing to do, you know, and all of those precautions when it comes down to if you see a down power line, you know, stay away, um, call us immediately, follow those key tips that we deliver um, time and time again over social and otherwise. I mean, it's important we say them again and again because it, in the moment is when we need them. Yeah. That's very true. It seems like you're, we, we do the same thing with the same repetitive severe weather safety and winter weather mm -hmm. safety, but that's the point. You want it to just be drilled into the back of your mind and almost second nature to pull them out and be like, I'm not panicked because I've heard this a million times and I remember mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and, and, and with, you know, like what we were talking about before, I think I'm, what weighs on customers' minds are, you know, when, when is the power going to be back? And I think the reason you hear that a lot in yourselves too, is they need to make a decision. So that decision is, is this going to be off for an hour? Is it going to be a couple hours? Or do I really have to make other arrangements because of the nature of, 
of the event that we're dealing with. And if it could potentially be multiple days, then I really have to change my plan. Those are some good words. And um, what is the website if someone just has no idea how they can report an outage? Where's the website and perhaps the phone number if you have it off the top of your head? Okay, DP and L, so dpandl.com slash outage. And then the number is 877, the number four, and this makes it easy, outage, O-U-T-A-G-E. But if you need the actual numbers, it's 877-468-8243. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Marianne, for joining us and for kind of getting us all ready and in the frame of mind for winter. And of course, for all that you and Dayton Power Online did, all of your crews uh, that were out for the Memorial Day tornado to help get our um, our community back on its feet. And McCall knows firsthand what that night was like and how much rebuilding still goes on. So uh, we appreciate all that you do. Yes, and I was watching McCall that night too. <laughs> well, thanks for watching and all the other people that were watching that night. But really, you know, I was there to talk about the storm as it was coming in and your team was there for the cleanup and putting the pieces back together. So as you mentioned earlier, it was a team effort. So thank you, Marianne. Thank you. And as always, if you're new to Cloudy with a Chance of Podcasts, you can subscribe, download, listen to previous episodes, even write us a comment or rate us on your podcast app, Google Play, Stitcher, and whio.com. There will also be a full story there about this conversation that we had with Marianne. And if you want to watch the video version, this is a vodcast as well, you can head over to a Roku app, download the WHIO app there, as well as on Amazon Fire and Apple TV. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.